Let me go to the Lord in prayer and we'll go to the Word of God this morning. Father, we love you so much, God. And we are so grateful for every person here, grateful for every person online. And Father, we just pray for those that are out today, God, some traveling, keep them safe, give them traveling mercies. A couple of people, God, are out this morning because they're not feeling well. And we just pray, God, for those, that you would just touch their body, Lord, that you would heal their bodies, God, that you would just help them to feel better. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would speak to us today, God. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just bless, uh, God, our church and bless the church uh, as a whole in the last hour, God. I pray, God, that there would be unity, God, and there would be... uh, uh, just your love would just, uh, we'd be known by your love, God, in this house, God. We'd be, we'd be known as a people of love. God, I pray that we would be all, God, united in the mission, God, of taking the gospel to the four corners of the earth, God, in this last hour, God. One way we're going to do that is through a mission trip, God, and we want to go to different places in the world, and we want to support, God, uh, God people. We, w- we want to see people reach, God. We pray for unreached people groups today, God, places where the gospel has never even got to. We pray, God, that you would be, uh, God, uh, especially with uh, people trying to get to those parts of the world with the gospel, God. We know that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness, uh, God, uh, to all people, and then the end will come. And Lord, I I want that end to come soon, God. I want you to come quickly. And Lord, uh, but but until that day, God, there's more people that you want to uh, bring into the family of God. And so today, even today, we're going to sow the word of God, God. We're going to scatter the seed, and I just pray there's good soil here today, God. Uh, Lord, it's not the seed. The seed is good. It's the soil is as important as the seed. And so, Lord, let there be seed here that can receive the Word of God today and be transformed and changed by it, Lord. And God, we'll be careful to give you the praise, God, as we cast the net, God, onto the right side of the boat, God, bringing a great haul of fish, God. Lord, we love you. We give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk about today witchcraft. Witchcraft. Uh, witchcraft uh, in, the, in the churches. Uh, and I want to start by reading uh, something today that, uh, because this is really prevalent in our uh, culture today and in our nation. Very bad. Very prevalent. Very prevalent in all of our movies. Anybody heard this lately? The universe. Well, witchcraft, you've got worship of Gaia, Mother Earth, right? A lot of steeped in feminism and uh, a, lot of, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of problems with, uh, and it's in about every movie today. It's in uh, where you worship the cre- creation rather than the creator. Earth, wind, fire, all these things. And so, uh, so but, I, but I want to talk about, but, but what I'm going to be getting at today is going to be, before you tune me out and say, oh, thank God, I'm, I'm not a witch. And, uh, and before you tune me out, I'm going to get to a witchcraft today that is in every church across the globe and is in this church as well. And God wants to get, and it's not brought in by witches, it's brought in by Christians. And we're going to get to the root of it today. I promise I've got some messages that are going to be a little bit lighter in the days to come. But today's a little heavy. And so last week was a little heavy. Today's going to be another bit, a little bit of a heavy. I'm a watchman. I'm sorry. That's what my call is. I'm a watchman. I'm on the wall warning. 
And I see a lot of things to be warned about today. And so uh, it's just, uh, it is, it goes with the territory. So, uh, but, but I've got some messages that I'm really excited about that are, that are coming. God's just been giving me things that I know are coming. Today, uh, I, I borrowed a lot of this from uh, someone that I highly admire, a lot of the outline and that sort of thing, just because this just resonated with my heart and I knew it was something that I, I needed to preach. But uh, let me read, I want to start by reading an article. Uh, but before I do that, this is uh, this week I read this in Christian Post, and it says this: It says uh, Talia uh, or Talia Scroggins felt dead inside after growing up in a Christian home. She somehow fell into the occult, embracing astrology, witchcraft, and New Age. But after embarking on a dark journey and losing the will to live, she had an incredible interaction with Jesus that changed everything. Today, Scroggins is uh, an online evangelist, writer, and truth teller, and a mission, uh, on a mission to help others escape evil. I don't know this person. I'm just reading an article that I read, so I don't endorse her by any means. I'm just reading the article. She, she recently shared her story with somebody explaining how she was raised in a Christian home. Hear me now. Raised in a Christian home and believed in God before stumbling into the occult. She said... She was first introduced to the New Age in high school when someone she trusted in her family told her about astrology. They had a, this big textbook of everything astrology, and they were like, this describes my personality so perfectly. Look what it says about you. Scroggins said, I was caught off guard, and I remember I was like, but how can this be true? If God created all of us and He made our personalities, how can a planet dictate my future or dictate my personality? She said, this was the first seed, hear me, of deception the devil planted in her life. And her, pers- her perspective started to shift with her family friend stating God created astrology as a system he put in order. She started down what she now believes was a dangerous path. Took just a little seed and now somebody trying to tell her, well, God created this. And now she starts down this dangerous path of getting into mixing the occult with Christianity. Listen to her story. They provided me some explanation that was totally false, but I didn't know the word of God enough. This is your problem today. It's all mixed up all over the internet. She said, the seed of deception was stoned. The devil planted it. She said, I didn't know the Word of God enough. I knew a lot about God. Enough to sling it out there everywhere. I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know the Bible said the, uh, about the occult and about darkness and about the battle. I just knew good things. I just knew good things. Yeah. I just knew good things about God. I just knew the fluff and the other stuff. I didn't know about the occult. I didn't know about the darkness. I didn't know about the battle. I just knew the good things. And so I became an astrologer. Scroggins spent 11 years as an astrologer describing it as her worldview and life. Listen to this. Hear me well. She still attended church. She still attended church and clung to some Christian ideas. Attended church, clung, be in the occult, in witchcraft, in New Age, 
Astrology, tarot cards, all these wonderful things. And then she had some Christian ideas mixed in there and was in the congregation. She had the entire, she said this entire experience opened her up to so much deception and confusion as she lived life as a, she said, lukewarm Christian. I, I, I don't even like that term or doubt it. Plagued by the occult practices. As Scroggins entered college, she said she was disappointed in God, feeling frustrated he hadn't answered her wants and whims on her timeline. Hadn't answered her wants and her whims on her timeline, so she's ticked off with him. It's spiritual immaturity. Uh, it, it, so, so it says, as, uh, as she entered college, she was disappointed in God, feeling frustrated. Ha, he hadn't answered her wants or whims or timeline. It's spiritual immaturity, she said, of her perspective at the time. We don't trust God's timing, and so I'm young. I'm 18 at this time, and I'm mad. I'm mad at God that He didn't open a door that I wanted Him to open, and that's just kind of part of being a baby Christian, she said. Her spiritual immaturity also led her to join in a party lifestyle. Scroggins said, the enemy lied to me and, 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 and I took the bait and I began to go down a very negative path getting drunk every weekend the more I rebelled and lived in this party lifestyle the more I craved astrology and witchcraft and uh, divination and all of that Scroggins said it was like a hunger exploded in me it was like a, a black hole I needed to, it, it consumed me she said depression soon took hold of her suicidal thoughts uh, rain Scroggins Scroggins would find herself crying for two hours every, every day for no reason as she grappled uh, with the em emptiness that it left, abandonment and a relationship with God. Scroggins added, it was like I had no reason to live. A family friend, aware of her situation, ended up intervening. And the experience brought Scoggins true healing. The woman was, uh, she, she just looked at me one day and said to me, today is the day of your freedom. She prayed for for me, and immediately I felt this huge weight being lifted off of me, uh, leading her to fruitful and meaningful relationship with, with God. The depression never came back, the suicidal thoughts never came back, ever, she said. It's been over six years, and I was delivered. Scroggins continued, God completely healed me and set me free. Over time, she said, she abandoned her occultic practices and clung close to Jesus. A few years later, though, she found herself alarmed by how many others are being entrapped by the same world she had escaped from. Scroggins uh, said she was shocked during COVID-19 to see how, interest, how much interest there is in witchcraft, tarot cards, crystals, and the occult explosion online. It grieved me because it was my story. I was into New Age. I was into false spirituality. I was into witchcraft and realized that it was Jesus that set me free. And she said, now I've decided to counter the occult videos uh, that are getting millions of views and contents and, and, and point people to Jesus Christ. That's what she's doing now. She's like, I'm going to... Uh, 
share my testimony and I'm going to expose astrology. I'm going to expose new age. I'm going to expose it all, she said. I, uh, and I'm just uh, starting telling people what I went through and how God saved me from it. And what came into my life when I started doing these practices and it was evil. And, and uh, she went as she shared her testimony. Folks, that, that's just one recent encounter of, of what uh, is going on. You heard that from a person who's in church, a person in the church. And I'm telling you, it's been going on for a long time now that, that, that literally witches have, have, have infiltrated churches all across this nation. That was a plan of theirs. There, there were books written and various things where they wanted to come in. And a goal, this particular person didn't know what she was swept up into and she was in it. But the goal was to come in and shipwreck pastors. The goal was to come in and control entire congregations, causing death, divorce, wickedness, and great confusion. And, and, and they've done that. That, that. That's what they come in. But here's the beauty. They cannot control a congregation that is spirit-filled and filled with the power and the presence of God. The only pastor they can come in control is one that's dabbling in secret sin. That's the people they can come in and control. But they can't come in and control a blood-washed, power, Holy Ghost-filled person and congregation of God. Amen? Hallelujah. The disciples came back, if you recall, in Luke 10, 17, when Jesus sent out the 72. And you remember what they said? They began to cast out devils and demons, lay hands on the sick. They began to see people saved. And they began to say, even the devils are subject to us in the name of Jesus. They were thrilled. They were excited because they realized, hey, there's no power in these things. The power, the boar, I'm going to tell you about the boar in a few weeks that has been killed. The boar that is trampling the vineyard has been killed by our Lord and our Savior. They've lost all their power. They have no power over him. He crushed them when he buried and when he was dead and buried and resurrected from the dead. He raised up with all power and all authority. And I'm telling you, if you are in the vine today and you are his branch and you abide in him, you have the same life and power that he has flowing through you today. Amen. And so we have resurrection life and power. We're victorious through the blood of Jesus Christ Almighty. And we are uh, uh, in great shape. Paul was uh, a true shepherd. Paul was a man led by the Spirit of God. And you, he, he knew there was a witch trying to infiltrate his ministry at one point. And you remember what take place. It was a slave girl that tried to uh, come and, and infiltrate him. He knew she was imposter. He knew that what was going on, posing as a convert person and she's following him around everywhere that he goes and she begins to say things like these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to show the way of salvation. She's doing this over and over and over and over and Paul gets finally sick of that evil spirit and he turns around to this divination, this witchcraft spirit in this woman and he begins to rebuke it and he says I command you in the name of Jesus Christ come out of her and he came out of her at that very hour. Paul wasn't afraid. And we don't need to be afraid of what's taking place in this last hour or what's been taking place for years. No spirit can control a congregation if the Holy Spirit controls them. If you're walking in the Spirit today, there is no power in hell, no power on this earth that can control us. The presence of God is the greatest weapon that we have against any spirit on the face of the earth. If the presence of the Lord is here, then I'm telling you what, no other presence can stand within that presence. The presence of the Lord 
Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here. I feel him in the atmosphere. The presence of the Lord is here. Amen. The power of the Lord is here. And when the presence of the Lord is here, the hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. They cannot, it cannot stand. You remember when Jesus showed up with the presence of God, he began to go into places and no, no, everybody else had been trying to cast out demons. They tried to have exorcisms. Jesus comes in and immediately begins to cast out demons and devils. They begin to manifest right in front of him, knowing who he is and who he says he is. And they had to come out. They had to do whatever he said. They're begging him, go into the swine, begging him to do this. And so it's the very presence of Jesus that, that, that hell cannot coexist with that presence. And that's why it's important to go to a church, hear me, where the presence of the Lord exists. Amen? It's important of that. Now, now today, we talked about that kind of witchcraft. That's not what we're really here to talk about today. We're talking about another kind of witchcraft that is so subtle and so deceptive and so dangerous today. And it's in every church. And it's not brought in by witches, but it's brought in by Christians who fall under the spell. Just like this one we read about right here. It's, uh, but, but, but even more subtle what I'm about to, to tell you about. And it, it's something that uh, we're going to look at in the book of 1 Samuel. How does the devil possibly come in to deceive the elect? How does he come in with this subtle thing, this subtle seed that comes in and it begins to grow until it becomes witchcraft and, and, it, becomes, and it begins to control our lives? Look at 1 Samuel 15, chapter 22. And I want you to see as... Uh, uh, what, what, what this is. And I want us to know what it is so that we can expose it and get it out of the camp. You, before you say, this is not me, uh, think again. This is for everybody in this room. And, and, I, and I thought that as well until I began to look inside my own heart and began to look at the things where the enemy's trying to take root in my own life with this, with this seed that he wants to bring in and leave there and leave undealt with and for it to manifest and fester and grow until it controls controls your entire life and you are controlled by uh, you're oppressed by demonic spirits so I want you to look at what happens in 1 Samuel 15:22 and let's look at take a look at this so Samuel said has the lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the lord behold to obey is better than a sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams for rebellion that's the seed for rebellion. Why don't you say it with me like Mr. Rogers? Rebellion. Amen. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Here it comes because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. Witchcraft far more dangerous than the occult here today that I'm going to talk about. It's, it's far more. It is rebellion against the word of God. 
Rebellion against the Word of God. You have not obeyed the Word of God and that disobedience causes rebellion and that rebellion leads to destruction. It leads to you being controlled by, by, by something you don't want to be controlled about. It leads to stubbornness. It leads to idolatry. It leads to a place of absolute rebellion. And i got a parable that, that, that we're going to show what it leads to. Matthew 21, and I want you to look at this parable, and I want you to see the parable, the rebellion in this parable. Listen to what he says. Hear another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower, and he leased it to a vine dresser and went into a far country. Now when the vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dresser that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dresser took his servants, beat one, killed one, stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first one, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dresser saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. You're their inheritance. The vine dresser is the Lord. And, and, and the inheritance that he's after is you and I. Come let us seize the inheritance, he says. So they took him, cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these vine dressers? They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render him the fruits in their season. Now verse 45. Says um, uh, he's talking to the Pharisees because listen to what it says in verse 45. It says, Now, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard the parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them. Okay, now this is how most people view this, but it's got a much deeper application than the way we, we always generally perceive it. There's something more that God wants to tell us today as well. Generally, we say that God, uh, that, that, that He sent the, the, the prophet after prophet, watchman after watchman. This is Israel. God sent them. And finally, Jesus comes. They, they, they reject the prophets. They reject the watchmen. Jesus comes and they kill and crucify him. And then he takes it from them. He gives it to the Gentiles. And, uh, and, and, and that... that, that that there's truth in that. Uh, but, but, but there's something here that's even deeper when you begin to go and look at this parable. You begin to see that he's speaking about two powers here that are really going on in this passage. He's telling us that there is one power that is the power of Jesus Christ that is going on and at work here in this vineyard. And he's looking for submission. He's looking for obedience. He's looking for fruit to come in, the, in this vineyard that he's got. But then there's another power that begins to come into this place. And and it's after something else. It's after the inheritance. And the inheritance is, is, is us. We are, we are Christ's inheritance. That's what He came for. He came to live and die and resurrect again so that He could redeem us and buy us back. He could change us into His glorious image. What happened in the garden? In the garden we fell. There was a seed of what that was placed into us, Raymond? A seed of rebellion. 
rebellion against the vine dresser, against the owner of the vineyard, trying to steal the inheritance, to steal us. Hey, I'll get them. I'll take them and I'll take the inheritance and I'll mar them. So the two powers that we are fighting against here, even today, is submission and obedience to Christ and to His Word or falling under the influence of satanic power. And what they are coming to do is to seize the inheritance and plant rebellion in our hearts. That's what they did. That's what Satan did with the Adamic nature that he put inside of us. And finally, he said, if I can get them, if I can get that sowed into this race, then they will crucify the Son of the living God. And guess what? We did. If I could sow that kind of rebellion against the vine dresser, if I could sow rebellion into their heart, then they will even, they'll kill the prophets, they'll kill the watchmen, and they'll even crucify the Son of Man. And that's what he did, folks. That's what he did. And the Bible says in Hebrews 6, it says this. It talks about a people who have tasted the good word of God and the power of the world to come. That's the Holy Spirit. He will show you things to come. He will show you what is to come. And he says this. It says they crucify him to themselves, the Son of God afresh, and they put him to an open shame. In other words, they've tasted the true word of God, but allowed a spirit of rebellion to come in and take root in them, Satan comes and moves in and it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit if they should fall to renew them again to repentance. And what he's basically saying there is he's saying repentance is of no effect when there is rebellion in the heart. Repentance is of no effect when there is rebellion in your heart. Can I get an amen? Repentance is of no effect when there's rebellion. So what is the witchcraft that God is talking about here today? That we're talking about? Well, number one, first, the witchcraft of rebellion begins with a little root of bitterness. Listen to me, everybody. Lest you think this doesn't apply to you. The witchcraft of rebellion, the kind of witchcraft we're talking about today that is in every church, including this one, the witchcraft of rebellion begins with a little root of bitterness. Paul calls it being poisoned by the gall of bitterness. Being poisoned by the gall of bitterness. If you remember, this man named Simon was into the occult in the book of Acts. And Simon, uh, or Peter calls it that. He saw, uh, he saw Peter and the other disciples casting. He saw Philip and some of the others casting out uh, different various evil spirits. And he also saw them baptizing the, with the, in the Holy Spirit, laying hands on people. The Holy Spirit coming upon them and those people speaking in other tongues. And when he saw this, he wanted to buy it. He wanted to buy this. He wanted this power. And I want you to look at it with me in Acts 8, 17. It says, Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said, 
said, your money perish with you because you thought you could buy that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor, por- por- nor portion in this manner. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this wickedness and pray God that perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you for I see you are poisoned by bitterness a gall the King James says of bitterness and bound by iniquity anybody ever heard this envy uh, uh, that you're uh, green with envy that's where this comes from Gall. Gall becomes gangrene. Left in the body, gangrene sets in. That's where that phrase, green, it eats you up. Jealousy. Envy. It begins, you get green with jealousy, green with envy. That is gall. Simon is a young convert, supposedly, or at least claims to be. In the 13th verse, it says, Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, they water baptized him, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. He followed the disciples around, and he's th- here's what he's doing, folks. He's green with envy. You know what he's doing, Jacob? He's following the men of God around. He's following the people around, the disciples around. And he's saying, I can do that. I can do that. I'm talented enough to do that. Why are they not letting me do that? Why is he not letting me do that? I can do that. I can do that better than he does that. And he's green with envy. He's walking around following the men of God. He's saying, I'm a gifted man. Because he went on in the passage there to tell that people used to think he was great. He was a good witch. He was good at his craft. He was good at his magic and what he did. He was known by all as the great one. And now he's got this inside of him and he's walking around saying, I'm a gifted man. He's eating up with green with envy and and it's coming out of his heart and he's following them. And here's what it is. Simon has a dangerous mixture in his heart that is destructive and and it it is this. It's a desire to be used of God mixed with a desire for preeminence a desire to be used of God mixed with a desire to be recognized to be first and not last to consider himself great, a need for recognition. He had an ability and he was self-assured. And Simon wanted power, but he wanted power without paying a price for it. He wanted power without being a servant. He wanted power and he wanted to shortcut his way there. He had talent, but he had no servant's heart. No humility. Not dealing with the things going on in his heart. Let me show you another. And then when the disciples tried to deal with him, all of a sudden if he leaves leaves that thing undealt with, he said, that's what Peter is saying, you better repent because there's something inside of you. It is the rebellion of witchcraft. And if you leave it undealt with, it's going to turn into gangrene. And you'll end up controlled by something you don't want to be controlled by. You'll end up bitter and hard-hearted. You'll end up, and listen to what goes on. I'll show you. Here, listen to what it says about Diotrephes in 3 John 1.9. Listen to this man. He loved the preeminence. Listen to what it says. 
He, John writes to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have preeminence among them, does not receive us. He loved to have the spotlight. He loved to be noticed. He, he, and, and what he began to, when, when, when they wouldn't notice him, he began to prat around. That's what the King James, I love that word. To prat around. It really means talking wicked and nonsense. He began to talk wicked and nonsense about the church, about the leaders. Therefore I came, I will call to mind his deeds which he does, pratting against us with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren, and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. In other words, he's a pratter, is one who battles babbles about trifles, the babble just pours out of them, and this man Simon, who Peter came to, and he, and he, and he, does, he wants to do the work of God, but his heart is not right, and Peter tells him there's no place in the work of God for you in this condition repent and maybe there'll be a place for you your heart is not right and he comes out of that place beaten down but he does nothing about it and all of a sudden if you don't do anything about it you're like diatrophies you get rejected you get rebuked and all of a sudden you go around prating with malicious words He became offended at John's actions and the message. His vanity was pricked and his pride was wounded. He went about telling stories of being wounded by people in the house of God. He began to win many people to his arguments because he sounded so right. He had the sin of impatience. He didn't wait on God. He had the sin of impatience. He could not wait until God would do the work in his own heart. And listen, a wounded spirit is fertile ground for a root of bitterness. Let me say it again. A wounded spirit is fertile ground for a root of bitterness. Proverbs 18.14 says, A wounded spirit, who can bear it? Who can bear it? Isaiah is looking at backslidden Israel. And he says, These people have become like caged, unclean birds. There's wickedness on all sides. And he became, they became so depressed. They became so isolated, like an isolated booth in the vineyard, the Bible says. He said they stay alone. And they, they act like God doesn't care. And Isaiah begins to explain to them in verse 6. He says, the sole of the foot, is chapter 1. The sole of the foot and even the head, there is no soundness but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed. Neither have their wounds been bound or softened with ointment. These people have been wounded and now they will not allow their wound to be healed. And they are walking around with sores and bruises and putrefying sores. And he goes on to say they wouldn't come to God and allow this thing to be healed. And now they're eating up with a gall of bitterness and poison that's seeping inside of them. And it's blood that is coming out on their hands. And it's not the blood of other people. It's their own blood. They're bleeding on everybody. They walk around prating with malicious words, bleeding on everybody, bleeding their wound everywhere. 
Because they wouldn't come and get healed. Folks, we've had this in this church because primarily your pastor was a guy who wouldn't allow God to heal him. And I walked around for years and years feeling sorry for myself, becoming a victim, having blood on my own hands, spilling it out on you. And I apologize for that. It's gall. It's poison. It gets down in your spirit. And there is such a bitterness on the inside of you. It will destroy you. It will kill you. It will will damage you. And he went on to warn those who would not have their wounds healed. As long as you will not go for healing. As long as you go around bleeding. There is blood on your hand and it's your blood. Look at what he says in verse, verse 15. When you spread forth your hands, then I will hide my eyes from you when you make many prayers. He's saying because you won't deal with it, I'm not even going to hear your prayers. Folks, that's how serious this is. That's how serious this rebellion of witchcraft is. I will not hear your prayers, for there is blood on your hands, your own blood. Somebody in the house of God wounded you. Somebody in your family wounded you. Somebody on the job wounded you. And now there is this root of bitterness. And now you go about with a sore. And you're bleeding on everybody. And you will not come to the Master for healing. And you do not recognize that the devil is trying to get you into this witchcraft of rebellion by not dealing with this thing. And somewhere the husbandman in the vineyard allowed this rebellion to come into their soul. This was the Lord's vineyard. He gave them commandments. I'm expecting a harvest. I'm expecting fruit. I'm expecting righteousness leading to obedience. But somewhere a root of bitterness sprang up. I don't know where it came from or how it did, but I know it had to do with authority, and I know it had to do with submission, and they were not going along with the work of God, and they were without little more. They said, I won't go along with the word with the work of God if I don't get a little bit more of peace of the action. That's what Simon was saying. That's what these people were, that's what Diotrephes was saying. I hey I've been doing this a long time. I'm not going on with the work of God unless I get a little more piece of the pie. And somewhere, these people in the vineyard of the husbandman, somewhere in this place, they were in the same situation. They were out in that field working. They they had been given, uh, told what to do. And all of a sudden, something came into the heart of those people and it sprang up, this rebellion. And all of a sudden, it's so dangerous, they became so vicious that they were willing to stone and kill and murder. And that's what will happen if it's undealt with, folks. That's what will begin to happen. Look at Matthew 21, 34. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent to his servants, to the husbandmen, that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took the servants and beat one, killed another, stoned another. And again he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But at last he sent his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the end. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on the inheritance. They knew what the master demanded, yet they let the rebellion stay, and now their heart was full of rage. It was full of rage. It was full of rage, so much that's root of bitterness, that's wounding of gall. And, and listen, bitterness blinds. 
It comes to a place where we blind. It blinds us. It blinds our, our soul. If you let it keep staying there, it will, it will literally blind you. You lose your spiritual vision in proportion to the growth of your bitterness. Let me say that again. You lose your spiritual vision in proportion to the growth of your vision. You can't see anymore. You think you're right. And you, you, there's such a, you're, you're tainted. You read the Word of God tainted. It's filtered through your wound. It's through, filtered through your hurt. It's filtered through your putrefying sore. How do I know I've done it? I've done it. I've done it. You twist it. You make it say something and you're blind. You can't even see it. And people tell you and you still won't listen. You must deal with the wound. You must let the oil of the Holy Spirit be applied to the wound. You must let Him, like Caleb said, breathe on it and heal it. Or you'll end up prating. You'll end up throwing stones at God's people and crucifying the Lord afresh. When you throw stones at God's people, that's His body. You're crucifying God again. It's not a light thing to hate your brother. It's not a light thing to hate your sister. It's not a light thing to go around talking about them. It's not a light thing to prat about about those types of things, folks. Take it to the Lord and leave it there. Or take it directly to them and work it out. Amen? I don't hear a lot of amens. Man, it's quiet in this church. This is good word. Folks, this is good for your soul. This is life. It's life. It's life. If I didn't love you, I would leave you in this condition. I'd leave myself in this condition. Look, people always say, oh man, he's talking to me. It's talking to me. I've been repentant all week. It's talking to me, folks. If it's bothering you, then yes, it's talking to you. Please deal with it and get to the altar of prayer and deal with that thing so that you don't get eaten up with this little bit of bitterness. So witchcraft or rebellion begins with a little bit of uh, a root of bitterness. And number two, secondly, the witchcraft uh, and rebellion ends in a lack of reverence for Jesus. It begins with rebellion. It ends in a lack of reverence for Jesus. Matthew 21, 37. But last of all, they sent to them his son saying, They'll reverence my son. This is primarily applying to the Pharisees. And they had shut their ears to the prophets. They had shut their ears to the preachers. They had shut their ears to the watchmen. And Jesus said, I will send unto you prophets, and some of them you will kill, and some of them you will crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues, and you will persecute them from city to city, he says in Matthew 23, 34 through 36. He's trying to expose the work of the devil in these people. Jesus said to the Pharisees in John 8, he said, why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word, because your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. He's saying, I speak the truth and you do not believe it. And I wonder at times, and I know Daniel and other people do, I wonder at times when I preach, how do you hear this and not say it's for me? How do you do that? How do you hear some of these messages and not, and you're looking at everybody else and not saying, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. He's preaching to me. 
He's preaching to me. God is preaching to me. Why don't you understand Jesus is saying right here? He's saying, this is, he's saying there's a way out and I'm standing here. Do you not understand me? And Jesus stood there with open arms saying, let this bitterness get out of your life. It's eating you up. It's going to lead you to a place where you'll stone and you'll kill and even crucify the Son of the living God. And the Pharisees even go as far, listen, as pronouncing judgment on themselves. Listen to what they say. Jesus asked the Pharisees in verse 40 what will the master do when he comes and makes these men give an account and he said why the husbandman would would miserably crush those men and destroy them all the while they knew he was talking about them can you imagine they're answering he's going to crush them and they're talking about their own destruction are you kidding me and they still will not repent They still will not deal with the sin in their heart. They know they're in open rebellion. They don't even fear judgment any longer. And and Saul got so hard at the end of his life, King Saul, that he consorted with a witch. He couldn't hear from God anymore. He couldn't hear from the people anymore. So he went out and got a witch that he consulted with and said, tell me something. That's where it ends, folks. That's where it ends. He said, last of all, uh, he said he sent his son. The last thing that God offers humanity now, he has sent the prophets and they turn them down. He sent the watchmen and they turn them down. He said, the last offer to humanity now is that you you turn down my watchman, you turn down my prophet, and now I'm going to give you one last hope. I'm going to send you my son. I'm going to send you the son of the living God. They will rest reverence my son. Surely if I send my son, they will reverence my son. But they didn't. Rather than saying, yes, God, I hear it. And that is me. That's me. I've got rebellion in my heart. That's me. I've got open rebellion in my heart. And I've got gangrene. I've got bitterness. I've got bitterness inside of me. Rather than dealing with it like the Pharisees, you hold on to your grudge, justifying your bitterness. And you'll no longer reverence Jesus and you'll put Him to open shame and crucify Him over and over and over and over again. And that's why I'm begging you today, the seed must be plucked out. It must be plucked out of us today and and, and dealt with. Uh, And I want to leave you lastly. You can get a song ready, but I want to leave you with one because that's been a heavy message but I want to leave you with hope we're never not going to leave you with hope the gospel of Jesus Christ leaves you with hope and we're going to leave you with hope and God's going to leave you with hope and there is hope today through the word of God but this thing has to be cut down by the word of God and that's why we come with the sword of the spirit to cut down that thing expose that rebellion hopefully that you'll deal with it and allow God to pluck it out and then God promises this look at Psalms 107, verse 9. For he satisfies the longing soul. No, I want you to look at it. Let's just slow down. Because if you're rebellious and you're full of bitterness, you're miserable. Because I've been there. But look at what he says. He satisfies the longing soul. He fills the longing, hungry soul with goodness. Those who sat in darkness and the shadow of death 
bound in affliction and irons because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High God. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help them. That's where some of us are today. That's where some of us live. That's where some of us have been for a long, long time because you won't let go of that bitterness. Everybody else around you is happy. Everybody else is singing. But you're miserable because you won't deal with it. You're bound in affliction and irons because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He brought your heart down with labor. They fell down and there was none to help them. But here's the good news. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death. He broke the chains in pieces. Oh that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He has broken the gates of bronze he has cut the bars and irons in two. Those who were in rebellion, and if you are in rebellion today, I would, I dare you, I beg you, cry out to God, cry out to Jesus, cry out to the one who can break that thing out of your life, and that's exactly what you need to do today. God, by your Spirit, open up hearts in this place today. God, by your Spirit, let somebody cry out from that dark, depressing place that they are in. God, that place that they've been brought down to heavy labor, heavy labor, they're miserable, God. They're in this place of bitter gall, God, and, and in a place of bitterness towards you, towards anyone. And Lord, there is this sore and it's festering, and there's blood on their hands, and it's their own blood. God, they go about pratting, they go about, uh, Lord, uh, telling everybody about their wound. It's been 20 years, it's been 30 years, it's been forever, God, that they were hurt long ago, they were overlooked for a position in a church long ago they were overlooked for a position on the job by somebody that wasn't near as talented I'm that talented I can do that and all of a sudden they've held this bitterness for year after year after year after year God and now it's time to let it go God it's time to let it go, God. They cried out, Lord, let them bring it to you for healing today, God. If you, if you do not deal with it, then they're going to wind up in open rebellion. And then it leads to stubbornness. And you can't get even through to them. Stubborn. Stubborn. You go to talk to them. You go to try to call them out of that place. And they are absolutely in stubborn rebellion. In idolatry against the Word of God. Witchcraft at its worst form. And God, it's in the church all across the world. And it's time to be dealt with, God. Help us deal with it in this house today, God. You've dealt with this, this, this seed that got planted into my heart. God, years ago, and it keeps trying to come back, God, almost weekly now. God, a seed of rebellion, God. A seed, God, of hurt. A seed, God, a wound, an open sore, God, that is there. And God, I, I so don't want to deal with it at times. I don't want to bring it to you for, for healing, God. I want to I I want to. I want to prat around. I want to. I want people to feel sorry for me. I want. I want. I want people to know because it hurts so bad. And God, rather than coming to you, God, the giver of life, the one who came to heal the brokenhearted, and God, so we come to you today, God. We come to you today, and God, we want you to take this root, this root of rebellion that is in us, God, and pluck it out, Lord. I don't want it festering in my heart anymore. I don't want it festering in my life. So God, Lord, help us to do that today.